This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Eighteen out of twenty. 252 yards and three touchdowns for Joe Burrow. And the design of that play was beautiful. And remember, that penalty on Dickerson is what set them up so close that they only needed five seconds to score again. LSU, I don't believe I'm saying this, LSU by 20. No, no. I lived all those games. <laughs> Live, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Blake Rafino. This is Are You Serious Sports? I hope that you liked that opening from the very beginning. LSU by 30. That's not happening again, at least not this year. But, but I am here to bring you some good spirit. I'm here to tell you maybe the tide could turn. <laughs> because if not, it could be a long weekend. But some things that LSU is going to do, I think, uh, to turn the tide and maybe make this game a lot closer. How do I see this game going ultimately? Ultimately, how do I see it going? We will talk about that. Also, guys, I appreciate all y'all joining. Do us a favor. Hit the like and hit the share everywhere that you're following us right now. Hit that retweet, share. I know that that button is available to you also if you're listening to us on the podcast do us a favor don't forget to rate and subscribe to us there we would greatly appreciate that with our good partners over at believe 
Let's get to a couple of these comments before we get going. And also, Drew DeArmond, who covers the Alabama Crimson Tide, will be joining us around 7.20. Drew's been on the show a bunch of times. I want to break this game down with him. I want to break down Alabama. I think that they have one of the better offensive line, not just in the country, but maybe that we've seen in the last 10 years. How does he see this game going? Let's get a realistic look from the opponent's aspect in this game. So we'll break that game down with him. Also, we will go around the SEC. I'm pretty hot with my picks right now. In the SEC of the last three weeks, I'm 12-3, and y'all. 12-3. and yes. One of the, two of those losses coming, <laughs> at least two of the losses coming from LSU. So we're we'll see. Maybe I should start being a little bit more realistic on the LSU Tigers. Maybe, huh? But nevertheless, twelve and three over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so we will take a trip around the SEC. Dylan Landry says, "Let's go." He's always in there. He's got he. He's always on top of it, y'all. Always on top of it. He says, all hell Burbank Joe, meaning Joe Burrow. Hell yeah. Hell, Bur- all hell Burbank Joe. Guys, do y'all remember, do y'all realize that that man went 18 of 20 for 258 yards and three scores in the first half of last year's Alabama game? Like, do y'all, re- do y'all realize that now that we're seeing what's on the field for LSU this year? Yikes. Uh, Craig Schilling says, AYS, damn right I am. Damn right you are. <laughs> Derek says the mentality of these fans is insane don't play because you're scared of getting killed question mark shows some pride at least yeah Derek I mean people are scared man Stephen Miller who was on with us last night from the Maxion Minute says that damn Dylan Landry the shooter McGavin always being first Ryan Mayer says what's up Dakota says go Tigers hope everyone is doing well today Chris Barnwell what's up Chris Says, what's happening, Blake Rafino? What's going on, Chris? Hope everybody is doing well. Dylan asks, who's opting out now? We'll see. I don't think anybody's going to be opting out uh, this week, but you'll just we'll just have to wait and see over the next couple of weeks. But, guys, before we get started, we do have a jam-packed show. Like we mentioned, hit that like and hit that share and share into some groups. But as always, before we get started, guys, you got to go check my friends. And I know a couple of you messaged me today about going over there and getting your car serviced over at GM Varnado and Sons. GM Varnado and Sons has faithfully been serving your Denim Springs and Baton Rouge area for over 62 years. With their highly trained technicians, there's absolutely nothing that they can't do. Drive chain repair, RV repair, big work overhauls, motorhome chassis, tr- routine maintenance. Slipping on my words. Tire repair, tire rotations, no job is too big or too small over at GM. Give them a call today at 225-664-9992. That's 225-664-9992. And tell them Blake Rafino sent you by. Also, if that car is just breaking down and ain't going to get you nowhere, you got to go see my good friend Mr. Woody Clark over at Robinson Brothers Ford. 11455 Airline Highway, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. All you got to do is ask for Woody. You can give him the call today and set up an appointment with him at 225-603-5432. 225-603-5432. That's 225-603-5432. Five four three two, and go see all of their beautiful inventory over at Robinson Brothers Ford Lincoln. Uh, let's see. Aaron Webb says Blake thoughts on who they finished the class with. I don't. Aaron. I, I mean, it would appear that Tristan Lee and Corey Foreman and a couple of guys, Mason Smith, aren't going to be making their commitments in, until January the second. Uh, so we'll see how this class uh, shakes out a little bit. I think that LSU doesn't make a big. Uh, a, a very big 
splash maybe on the 16th, but maybe get some commitments on the second. Uh, 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 on that big, you know, the the was it the high school bowl game that guys not bowl game, but the the Under Armour game or All American game, whatever it is. Uh, but they they announced that they'll be doing that today. So we'll 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 have to see on that. Break that window. Break that window. <laughs> he called me Monday, guys. Jeff in the borough called me Monday, and I just couldn't take it. I couldn't take. It. I love him. Chris says no optimism from me. Okay. Well, Chris, let's break this down because I think there's something important that LSU fans need to see here. Win or loss. Win or loss. Now, Miles Miles Agnew just asked this question. Who starts at quarterback Saturday? I think it's going to be uh, Max Johnson. I, I, I fully believe. I don't know that. I haven't heard anything. Uh, the one thing I did kind of remotely here is said that they're going to give uh, Max the, the nod, uh, but they're still battling it out. We will know more tomorrow on who's going to get that start. Um, but I would I would expect maybe Max because of what happened at the end of that game, and because look Max Johnson and Arik Gilbert kind of have a connection, and that's where I want to kind of go with this a little bit to start off. If you notice when Max Johnson went into the game last week and they actually let him loose and throw in the football, something was very interesting that made me remember something about Max Johnson and Arik Gilbert. Did y'all know? Did y'all know that Max Johnson and Arik Gilbert play peewee football together? So wait a second. Wait a second. You get out your mama's van, that old Villager van, and you open the gate or you open the door and you're getting out that Villager van with your pads on. You know, you got the big old thick uh, hip pads. You remember that come up past your love handles? Well, maybe not to all of you, but for me, the your love handles. And you're going to play a team. You're going to play a team. For peewee football, y'all. I I know that we're having a little bit of glitch here. But a little bit of peewee football. And all of a sudden, you see Max Johnson and you see Arik Gilbert. And you mean to tell me that your first fault's not, holy hell. I got to go up against those two mammoths. The smallest one's height is 6'5". And I got to go up against them? (laughs) <laughs> either way when Max Johnson got in the game who did he target he targeted Terry uh, Terrace Marshall and Eric Gilbert he tried to force the ball a lot to Eric Gilbert which will bode well I think offensively for this team Max could and with his mobility probably show that you could do a little bit more RPO game which LSU has want to implement but has been unable to do so but I don't know if that's going to stop anything I do not know that that's going to stop anything. What I'm looking for is just consistency. Because you know what's really weird with this team? They have one great offensive performance, and then the next week they stink it up. South Carolina and then Auburn. And then you turn right around, you have a pretty decent, okay, not great, but you win the game, you score 27 points, you hold on to the ball for 40-plus minutes. And you beat Arkansas. The next week, you co- you come out and you laid a turd nugget. A complete turd nugget. Rudy Poo doesn't smell that bad about how bad your offense was last week. Is this a week that they can turn it on a little bit? Now, again, and I'm going to get criticized for this, and I understand that. And I understand that. And that's fine. That is completely fine. 
But I don't know if LSU is going to be able to go out there and win the game. But that's not what we're looking for right now. Not with this young team. You want to see your offensive line get better. You want to see them be able to run the football. And as Mike Scarborough even mentioned yesterday, you want to see your young team go out there and just make something happen. Make something happen. Play with some energy. Let's see. Devin Stop. What's up, man? He said that face mask too, Stephen Miller. What we what y'all talking about? Oh, Devin Stop says, guarantee you Maxwell Johnson rocked the elbow pads in peewee football with like his pappy. I'm sure he did. Hell yeah, he did. And had it was white and it had the little strip on it right here. Uh, hell yeah, he did. But as Derek says, Max can run a bit and Bama struggles with running quarterbacks. Yes, historically they have. I mean, look what Joe did when he was able to get out in space last year. I'm not saying that I think that this game is going to be an upset. I'm not saying that. Dakota, the question to your answer is yes. I'm not saying that, y'all. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to take my shot. And I know that we're going to do the predictions tomorrow. I know that we're going to go out there, and I'm going to let all you guys put in your predictions, and we'll put them up on the comments. I think LSU keeps this game close. I, I don't want to, when I say close, I'm not talking about 34-31. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is I think that this game comes close, and I think that LSU is able to make some stops. If you, and look, you're going to say, Blake, this is nowhere to be in close, but I've seen comments today all over my Twitter, all over my AYS Facebook, all over uh, Instagram. Somebody even said that they thought that L- Alabama was going to beat LSU 84-6. to That's not happening. LSU's also not going to get beat 77-2. to 77-2, you mean to tell me that LSU's going to get a safety, but Bama's going to score 77 points. Yeah, okay. That, realistically, I don't see happening. I think that this team is showing that they have a little bit too much pride. But to say that they won't come close to covering, possibly, with the 28, I could see that. But if LSU keeps his game anywhere close to that, and they're able to score, hell, at the end of the night, if we're sitting up 42-24, that's exactly what Texas A&M, the number five team in the country, did last week. Well, Blake, Texas A&M's poop. You, you can't say that they're poop because they did technically beat you last week. This team's got the talent, y'all. I keep saying it. I keep hammering over there. Boom, boom, boom. Everybody keeps asking me. I go on these radio shows. I hate having to defend LSU. Blake, LSU doesn't have the talent. Where? They're not playing like it. But they have the talent. I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't want to hear anymore that LSU doesn't have talent. It's young talent. Well, Blake, the offensive line has a lot of uh, a lot of juniors and seniors on there. Still inexperienced. Still some of them out of shape. The best offensive line last year, everybody left outside of Austin Deculus. How's Austin Deculus doing this year? Oh, and by the way, when's the last time you heard Austin Deculus' names be, or Austin Deculus's name being mentioned on doing something bad? Oh, so he has, wait, the one guy on offense, that, or really the two guys on offense that have had game experience, they were your two best weapons on offense technically? And Austin Deculus, who's not really a weapon, and Terrace Marshall? Hmm, that's interesting. If you really think, if you really see there and, and think about it. Let's see, someone said who's joking. I don't know. These comments are going crazy tonight, y'all. I just see, uh, for whatever reason, I don't see any, and then all of a sudden I see 60. 
not really 60, but like 20. Brandon asks, Blake, I just want to see LSU compete on offense and defense and please score against them, please. Yeah, I want to see them score too. I, I think that they do. I think that they do. Colin says, I said what I said. So, Colin, I, I, I must have missed what you said. Oh, here it is. He says, I'll say it. It will be an upset. F that. Give me the Tigers. 28-24. Kylan, I love you, but I don't know, Big Daddy. I don't know. I just don't know if I could see the Tigers winning 28-24. Do I want them to? Yes. Do I want them to? Yes. I don't know if they will, but I think that they're going to keep this close. I think that they're going to keep this much more closer. Oh, Colin just says that's me and Ryan arguing about LSU. Look, Ryan's going to let you LSU fans know. He's going to let you know. Ryan, you know what I think is going to happen after LSU loses to Alabama this week? You know what I think? They go out the following week and they absolutely beat the dog manure out of Florida. (laughs) I'm just joking. Or am I? Says the big Florida fan. Uh, Chris Barnwell says no offseason killed us. With coaching changes and a scheme change on defense. Yeah, Chris, you can say that, but look how much better they're playing. Look how much better they're playing. You held the number five team in the country to 13 points. You're playing fantastic at times. Leading the SEC on third down conversions on defense over the last five weeks at 25%. Give that to me. Y'all, again... I'm not a huge stat guy, but I like stats when I see it on third down. The three stats, if y'all want to know that I look for, third down conversion, what did you do in the red zone, how much? How did you run it, and how many rushing attempts did you have? That's the three, and, well, and turnovers. I should put turn so four. If you're leading in that category, and you're doing that category, I guarantee you I can tell you how the game goes. Guarantee you I can tell you how that game goes, and exactly what that game looks like. No question about it. LSU is going to have to find a philosophy and stick to it. Stick to it. I don't know if they will offensively. I just don't know if they will. Dom says, Palmer, Booty, Kirkland, and Coy, one of them have to come out and shine without Marshall. And at math, Eric will get them. Yeah, Eric's Eric's got to shine. And why I think... That him and Max could have a good connection because it's not like two guys that have never played together. This is kind of deadly if you start thinking about it. You mean to tell me a guy that two guys who have known each other for a very long time that already have a connection? And look, I'm on this Terrace Marshall thing. I'm just going to throw another thought out there. It might be a little bit of a blessing in disguise. He's not going to be back next year, and you can build chemistry with the guys that are going to be back. Not saying that I don't want him. Not saying that I don't want him at all. Uh, Peggy Red says, is Palmer better? No idea what happened uh, to him to have seen him. Yeah, I think he's going to be back. I think he's going to be back. Uh, Brandon says, who that? We need to get uh, to give them saying some credit. Their defense has heart. Yeah, they do. They do. Kate says, can we get some third and shorts and third and longs? Go Tigers. Well, yeah, you're going to have to do that to win. You're definitely going to have to do that to win. Uh, Craig Dugas says, after we lose to Bama, hopefully we get rid of Edward O and crew. Man, it's crazy how uh, what a year makes. Look, this is something that I've been seeing over the last couple uh, over the last week. 
Over the last week, I've been seeing uh, fans calling for Ed Orgeron's head. That's interesting to me. That's very interesting. No one was saying fire Ed Orgeron this time last year. Hell, it's not even been a year. Okay, Drew DeArmond from 97.7 ESPN is going to be our guest. Let's go ahead and get to Drew DeArmond. But before we get to him, go, everybody, go see our good friend, Mr. John Patton, over at Area Home Lending. 225-663-2500. That's 225-663-2500. Tell him Blake Rafino sent you by. If you have any mortgage uh, questions, he can definitely answer them. And Drake Law Firm, personal injury, criminal defense, real estate, and successions. There's no law firm better and more equipped for you. Go see him today at 154 West Pine Street, downtown Ponchatoula. That's 154 West Pine Street, Ponchatoula, Louisiana. Tell him Blake Rafino sent you on by. Okay, we're going to get to Drew DeArmond. I really want to break down this LSU-Alabama game with him. Drew's always been on and been fantastic for us. So I really want to break this game down with Drew. Hello. Mr. Drew DeArmond. Yes, sir. What's going on, my friend? How are we doing tonight? Doing well, Blake. How are you? Uh, well, you got some really anxious uh really anxious LSU fans, Drew. They're they're not doing too hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, man. They got a day of reckoning coming. Well, you say they got a day of reckoning, Drew. Let let let's start here. Look, I, I told the guys that are part of AYS weeks ago uh, of my thoughts of Alabama and especially this offensive line, Drew. I'm not just saying this because you're on the phone. I've mentioned it a couple times on the shows. I think that this might be the best offensive line for Alabama and really that we've seen over the last decade. They seem to be a big catalyst in this offense and how things are moving. Drew, is that the biggest surprise in how good this offensive line has played over just this year holistically with the, the crazy offseason? Well, I mean, I think there was high expectations, Blake. Uh, I think everybody knew that Evan Neal was playing out of position out of necessity last year to get the best five on the, on the field. He was going to move from left guard to right tackle, but he had all the ability in the world. Now, for things to go perfectly, and really, honestly, so far, from an offensive line perspective, they have. Emil Echior, uh, you know, had to step in at right guard and kind of take the bull by the horns to be the missing piece. Uh, you know, there's no doubt that he has. Uh, he's, I think he turned the corner against Georgia when he really played at a high level. Landon Dickerson had played center for most of last season. I think everybody already knew uh, that he, he could do so. And so they were confident that he could be the center and be a physical presence there. If not, you know, there was a young player like Darian Dalcourt uh, that, that could step in as a sophomore if he was ready. And then Landon could play left guard. But really, you knew uh, that if, if Emil Echior improved as much as, as he could and could be that fifth guy, the, the best five would involve Landon Dickerson being at center. He has done a great job. It's amazing because he didn't play center at all in high school, and he didn't play center at Florida State. He didn't play center until he got to Alabama, uh, but he played and he started at left guard last year, then switched to center. But I got to give Kyle Flood a lot of credit for that. But also Deontay Brown switched from right guard to left guard. But Deontay's only problem had always been off the field and keeping himself in, in uh, good good shape and making sound decisions. I think. Dr. Matt Ray and David Ballou, the new strength coaches, have had a big impact with him 
he's as good as any guard in the SEC. He's a road grader when he's in there. He did have an issue with a concussion earlier this year, but he settled in. And then Alex Leatherwood, I think everybody knew he was a natural left tackle, played right guard back in 2018. But I think everybody knew uh, that he that left tackle was worth make his money. And he has been really good. I mean, he gave up a sack late in the Auburn game. He's been a leader. He's played at a very high level. And as a group, I would agree with you. I think this is the best Alabama offensive line since 2012. Yeah, Drew, it just seems, you know, I I, I just thought that all offensive lines across the board with no real true offseason would struggle. The left side of that Alabama offensive line, just watching the film and watching the games break down, has been absolutely nasty. Uh, you know, Neil has made all the right calls and really gave Mac Jones a lot of time to throw and make good decisions. Uh, they're just absolutely fantastic uh, in everything that they do. Uh, Drew DeArmond from 97.7 ESPN Huntsville Talking Ball is our guest. We have a uh, someone in here, Drew, says they listen to, y'all every, uh, listen to you every morning. Chris Barnhill says that he listens to you every morning, so he's glad that we have you on. Uh, Drew... What do you see holistically in reference to this game Saturday? A lot of LSU fans, you know, think one fan today on the prediction score said that they thought it was going to be 84 to 6 Bama. A lot of people think it's going to be extremely lopsided. How do you see it, my friend? Well, I, I do see it as extremely uh, lopsided. Uh, you know, I made a prediction on my show, and I'll, I'll say it here I've picked 66 to 7. Uh, similar uh, Ole Miss beatdown that we saw in Oxford in 2018. And the main reason I do that is because, Blake, everybody knows how important the the Alabama-Auburn game is and what a rivalry. But this Alabama team has had one game circled all year long, and that's LSU. Because the the streak ended, LSU had a great football team, the best we've ever seen in the history of the SEC, and in college football. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so – and they remember what happened after the game, some of the comments by the players, and, of course, Coach Ogeron. Now, Ogeron's comments weren't supposed to get out, but unfortunately for him, they did. And so I don't really think Alabama cares who's on the other side for LSU. They certainly wish in the back of their minds probably that Jamar Chase was playing, uh, that Terrace uh, Marshall Jr., and it was the same kind of buildup. You know, in other words, the two top teams in the Western Division. Uh, and that LSU had kept Miles Brennan healthy. But, again, Alabama had a lot of adversity with injuries last year. LSU's had this season and with the opt-out. And I really don't think they care who's in front of them, just as long as it's an LSU helmet and jersey. And I think they're ready uh, to, to exact some revenge because you never hear Nick Saban talk about revenge, yet he did earlier this week in his press conference, which I thought was enlightening because I really think this football team has been looking forward to going to Red Stick They've had more success there than anyone ever in college football. They actually have a winning record in Baton Rouge, which everybody knows how tough a place to play it is, especially at night. And again, with Nick Saban being in his 14 years at Alabama, Blake, the biggest rival for Alabama has been LSU because simply it's been big boy football, and that's what it's come down to in the West. You have to beat LSU to go to reach your goals. And it's not that way this year, but certainly I think uh, for LSU anyway, but for Alabama it is. They're trying to win a national championship, just like LSU was on a mission last year. Alabama is this year. And when you look at LSU and the shape they're in right now, two freshman quarterbacks that have struggled, an offensive line that has not performed that well, 
The only chance they've got to stay in the game is to control it on the ground with Ty Davis-Price and John Emery. And yet I don't know if the O-line is good enough to do that. And I really am not sure, uh, you know, uh, to, that uh, LSU has enough weapons outside now. With, Ty, with, the, with Terrace Marshall Jr. opting out, you look at their, you look at their lineup, uh, they, they, their leading receiver is a Reed Gilbert tight end. So I don't know that they've got the options to make enough plays against an improving Alabama secondary outside come Saturday night. Drew, I, I'm right there with you. And listen, I said last night on our show that I thought, you know, when Nick Saban was asked, he, he, his quote was, look, we don't have many revenge games, but we love them, and gave a little like smirk and chuckle. I, Drew, I'm just being honest. I said, oh, shit. <laughs> this ain't gonna be good you know because look he's not ju- i've never seen that from nick look and he's i've i've listened to pretty much every press conference he's ever done I, i've never heard that and you're right they've had that game circled and ed orgeron in his coaching show just someone announced that tj finley uh, uh, shockingly to some that is going to be the starter and, and drew i think that this game uh, uh, could get ugly. You mentioned something on keeping it close and something that I've been kind of getting criticized a little bit. I thought that this LSU defense was getting a lot better over the last five weeks. Had a great performance last week against Texas A&M, only holding them to 13 points. Now that we're seeing a little bit more of Bo Pelini and, and LSU defensively, is that something you were like, well, hey, maybe they're riding the ship a little bit or do you want to see a little bit more when they face Alabama and Florida? Well, I mean, I'll give them credit. I do think, Blake, they played better last week defensively. Uh, certainly, I think they held uh, Kellen Mond to 11-34. to 34. Uh, They didn't allow the A&M to consistently move the football. Isaiah Spiller didn't run it well, though, which if I'm LSU, that would worry me because I think we all know what uh, Najee Harris did against LSU last year, especially mm-hmm. in that second half. And honestly, that's why Alabama came back to have a chance to win the game late because Najee was so good. LSU wanted no part of it. I mean, I just people that I speak with, and uh, you know, like Mike Detillier, who's uh, so connected in Louisiana. He yep. felt like last year that Najee was a load, was probably the one of the best backs he saw in person. And said, you know, look, LSU uh, could not contain him, and he's and right now, Blake, he's. I think he made a right decision coming back. He looks better this year. He's quicker. He's faster. He's, he's been able to break more big runs. He had another big one last week against Auburn, 39 yards to the house. So if I'm Alabama, the first thing I do is I want to send a physical message. I'm going to give them a dose of Najee Harris. But no disrespect to Kellen Mond, but Mac Jones ain't Kellen Mond. We saw in the matchup with Texas A&M, Alabama dismantled them. Uh, uh, you know, Mac Jones has been a revenue. I knew I thought he he had a chance to be have 23 touchdowns and three interceptions. Okay, that's not what I was expecting. I thought he could be a guy that could help Alabama win a championship, but I thought he would have to that he wouldn't be the guy. I thought it'd be Najee Harris, and Najee was a huge part of it. But I thought it would be more of a traditional run football play action kind of deal. But Alabama's been able to run. They threw the ball to set up the running against Auburn last week. They've been able to trust Matt. He's as good a deep ball thrower as I've seen at Alabama. And right now, that LSU secondary has struggled all year. They were bad last week, but they're going to have to have their best game by far of the season to stay in this thing. Because even without a guy like Jalen Wall, who I thought was the most explosive receiver in the country, 
you look at Sark, and that's why he should be the Frank Broyles Award winner for the assistant, best top assistant in college football. Last week, for example, against uh, Auburn, he was basically down his top two spot receiver. Slade Bolden, who I know you, you and your listeners like a lot, was slowed. He only played a handful of snaps. And yet, they found a way to get Jaleel Billings involved. He's become a new weapon. And so, it's been really amazing to watch him pack up his own and watch Sark get him touches. And so now, Slade will play this week. He'd be better when you've got uh, the best receiver in the country in Devontae Smith now, proving that because of what he's done without the Dylan model. And then you've got Mechie, who's done such a great job in the red zone. And then you've got those two tight ends, Miller Forstall, uh, Bill Billings, and then Najee Harris. I don't see – I think it's too many weapons for LSU to have to deal with. And Alabama hasn't been slowed by anyone, and I don't expect LSU to slow them much on Saturday night. I don't either. You know, I Drew, I said that, you know, just me personally, I think if they can, eat for whatever reason – hold Alabama to 35, 38 points. It's a victory for LSU. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And and look, this is just my opinion. I think that Tua is, was fantastic last year. I think that he's going to do great things and one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen in college football, right? However, do you, do you think – and I, I hate to make this comparison, but do you think that this offense this year is even better than last year's? Because honestly, Drew, when I look at him – I think to myself, man, you don't know what they're going to do. They're always off balance. They keep you off balance. You don't really know what, what's coming next, and they just keep popping you and hitting you and hitting you. In your opinion, do you think that this offense is better? And if so, where do you think that they've been better at? Well, I do think in some ways it's more balanced. I think it's, it, it's been, it played more physical this year. Uh, of course, you have two and those great receivers, so you're going to throw the football. But I think with Najee Harris uh, and, and the tight ends, and they brought in Carl Tucker to get transferred from North Carolina, and they put Kendall Ray off there to give them some more physicality. So I really think that the running game has been better and more consistent. So to me, I think it's been a more balanced attack. Uh, you know, certainly, I think in some ways, uh, you know, Mac has been even more efficient than Tua was. Of course, Tua being in and out of the lineup didn't help things. Uh, but I do think uh, with with the growth you've seen from Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell being a bigger part of the offense, remember, Blake, when he, before he got injured, you, you saw uh, Jalen Waddell was probably the most wide player in the country. He already had 550 yards receiving in this per game. He wasn't a big part of the offense last in the season uh, mm-hmm. when he put on that show against Auburn. Uh, so – I think made the offense maybe even more explosive, and that's hard, that's you know kind of stunning to say when you had uh, Judy and Ruggs last year. But in many ways, I think the more attack, I think the more balanced attack. I think they've been efficient in the red zone, and I just think right now they've been far and away the top offense in the country. I mean, Drew, it, it, it's why you play the game. Look, I was I went back and looked. Today, the last time the LSU beat Bama in Baton Rouge was that 24-21 that, uh, uh, game, the double reverse to a tight end, vintage Les Miles, like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, okay, Les, whatever you want to do. You know, this game has just in its history over the last 20 years just been, man, the game. 
And, Drew, there's not going to be a lot of fans in this one. Do you think that that takes the luster out of it uh, with all, you know, it not being in Death Valley on a Saturday night? Well, I mean, you know, certainly they're playing it at night and it's going to be in Death Valley, but it does take some of the luster away not to have the crazy crowd because even with LSU struggling this year, it would have been sold out, would have been crazy. They have great fans. Everyone does that. Uh, you know, and I think it would have juiced the game a little bit more for the players. Uh, that what they've done a good job this year at Alabama is creating their own energy, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they've done that. And I, I don't think they're going to lack for motivation uh, against LSU Saturday night. But yeah, and then for LSU to have struggled some because you know I talked to you on your show throughout this season. I thought LSU was going, to, and they still have talent. They still have players. I thought so. They do have a chance in this game. I thought that this was going to be the top two teams in the mess and once again decided. But she's had a lot of problems this year. I think Coach Ogeron with Scott Linehan with, you know, and with, uh, as you said, Bo Fleen, I think he's made some hires that maybe didn't fit. And then I think a lot of players, uh, you know, it, it, I think what he learned, he learned a valuable lesson on how it is to be the hunted. He never wanted Ole Miss enough to know. And then last year, LSU, what a season, National Coach of the Year, Everything they got, they earned and they deserve. But you learn how difficult it is to do what Nick Saban has done since 2008, Blake, for 13 straight years having Alabama right in the mix for the college football playoff and a national championship. It's so difficult to do. Urban Meyer burned out. He couldn't keep it up. So it's difficult. There's only Nick Saban. There's only one Alabama. The closest is Dabo Sweeney at Clemson and what he's done. But I think we all understand – uh, and that, that right now, Clemson's league helps them out because it's not as strong. To do what David has done in the SEC, and if he's able to run the table in an all-SEC schedule this year, 10 straight, I don't think he's going to be coach of the year because of what Sam Pittman's done, what, uh, of course, Elijah Drinkwitz has done. But he should be under consideration for national coach of the year because you know how tough the SEC still is. Drew, and listen, I, something that I saw from just last week and talking, you know, to, I, I'm not going to say the Pete Golden camp, but, you know, they're high energy over here in Hammond. I mean, look, you look at this, this team holistically, they play, with, and you talk about bringing their own energy they have. And look, you got to give Pete Golden a little bit of credit, too. I think that this defense has played with a lot of energy. Drew, they're making tackles in space over the last two years they struggled with. You know, you look at last week, they're doing great things out in space, which is very interesting. I thought that they've been playing well, too. Uh, Drew, what's one thing from Alabama that you that possibly you've seen that they have to clean up as the playoffs, as the SEC championship game is coming up close? Is there something out there that kind of worries you about Alabama right now? Well, I mean, you always worry about injuries. That's something you can't control. You still worry about defensively if they face a top-level quarterback because, look, I mean, they've played much better in the last month on defense. Like, they now lead the SEC in scoring defense at a little over 18 points per game. But at the same time, they have not faced somebody like a Kyle Trask who they could face down the road against Florida. So you don't know how they're going to react. We remember what happened against Ole Miss. But you have to live by the mantra – Nick Saban does. You get, either you get better or you get worse. They have gotten better. I do think what's been special about this defense is the is some of the true freshmen that have been interjected that are getting better because I think you've seen Malachi Moore and the impact he's made, which is almost Minka level. That's 
And that's stunning to say how good Minka Fitzpatrick was. You understand that. Mm-hmm. You saw him in his three years at Alabama. But I, I got to say, too, Sertain has really uh, come into his own as the best corner in the country, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Josh Job had an outstanding Iron Bowl and has gotten a lot better in coverage. But the freshmen are the key. Malachi Moore, you see him. Brian Branch had an interception last week, Blake. He's got a chance to be special. You've got, you know, a linebacker like Will Anderson, who's a true freshman, got his first sack of his career, leading the SEC in pressures. But the big key is number 50, Tim Smith. You'll see a lot of him Saturday. The run defense for Alabama was spotty early. But getting him in the lineup and how disruptive he's been has been a huge key for the Tide. He has really improved their run defense, no doubt about it. And down the stretch against teams like Florida, they need Christian Barmore and guys like, uh, you know, Tim Smith to be disrupted and get after the QB so they don't have to live and die blitzing, which they haven't. And I just, you know, I'm really excited about this defense. But, again, the one thing where you, you temper it is they haven't played in, in a while, a level quarterback. Matt Corral hurt him some. But really, the biggest problem against Ole Miss was they couldn't get off the field on third down and stop the run. Doing a lot better job of doing that. But again, if you play somebody like a Kyle Trask or a Trevor Lawrence, that would be my worry because those are first-round draft choice type guys, Heisman candidates at quarterback. You want to see how the defense would react. I agree, and I think that that you know usually this game for both teams, Drew was a a hey let's see what it looks like. You know I know that it was no one really believed in LSU last year until they could not you know look if you're going to be on top of the mountain you got to knock the guy off that's been on top of that mountain. And I I think that you know as this as the season goes on with Trask and you know LSU does have some talent out there still. Uh, one thing, uh, one last question, Drew, and we'll get you on out here, Drew DeArmond. From Talking Ball 97.7 ESPN is our guest. Drew, there's a couple of games inside the game. One thing that we've talked a lot about this week is Derek Stingley and his performance last year against Devonta Smith. To me, this is a a, a matchup that reminds me of a Julio Jones versus Patrick Peterson, two great guys that went against each other back and forth, back and forth, and we all remember how that goes. Maybe that one, but is there some things that you're looking inside of this game that will be another game inside a game uh, this Saturday? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I want to see, you know, how much pride LSU has. Because mm-hmm. they're a program, man. These guys have won a lot of games. I have a lot of respect for LSU. I said going into this year I was not going to, uh, you know, underestimate uh, Ed Ogeron and the moves he'd made. They haven't gone well, but you know, I, I've I, watching these games. I've always said it was big boy football. You measure yourself. You know how good you are on defense. You know how tough you have to be to, to play LSU, no matter if it's in Bryant Denny Stadium or if it's in Tiger Stadium. I want to see if this Alabama offensive line. I think LSU is going to load the box. They have to. They have to be, take, try to take something away, Blake. And I think they're going to do what Auburn did. They're going to try to slow Najee Harris down. They know Najee hurt them uh, last year. So they are going to challenge Mac Jones uh, and these receivers. And Bo Pelini, is he going to play zone? Because <laughs> he's really known for playing man. It's blown up in his face, song. But can those LSU corners? I want to see, can Devontae Smith, uh, the matchup I'm going to watch is Devontae Smith and Stingley. Are they going to put Stingley on Devontae Smith again? Smith got the better of him last year, but you know, uh, Stingley, as talented as he is, has been 
chomping at the bit to go at him again for Alabama? Are they going to let him be on an island with him all night long? That's the matchup I want to see. Stingley, who is as talented as any corner in the country, against who I think should be the Bolitnikoff winner in Devontae Smith. I'm right there with you, Drew, and I know that he, you know, his dad's been on radio too, talking about like that's the that's a one game and the one person that they've circled because of what happened last year. So we'll definitely see. And I'm with you on both Blaney play. <laughs> Sprinkle in some zone, dog. If you're gonna give up points, try to do something different. Uh, but Drew, you've been awesome as always, my man. Tell everybody where they can find you. I know they've seen it on the car, but give them one more chance of where they can listen to you every good morning. Yeah, seven to nine a.m. Uh, talking ball. Scott Tyson and myself on ESPN 97.7. We love we love the interaction. We know a lot of your listeners probably tune in on Facebook, and and we always enjoy being a part of your show. Uh, they can they can listen to us each and every morning, and most mornings we are on Facebook Live, so uh, they can see my face for radio uh, every morning. Uh, but and then of course you can listen to all our content on 977ESPN.com. Go to our SoundCloud page as well. We always podcast everything we do. Uh, and of course, you can interact with me at Drew D nine seven seven ESPN on Twitter account and nine seven seven ESPN uh, for our station. And we always enjoy the opportunity to get on and talk some DC and Alabama football with you, Blake. We're going to get you back on our show soon and continue success. And thank you for the opportunity tonight to talk a little Alabama LSU. I know it doesn't have maybe the the panache of the last few years, but Saturday it's still going to be an emotional game. I think LSU will give it their best shot. I didn't think they've got enough bullets in the gun to compete with Alabama this year. Drew, I appreciate it. Yeah, and listen, I, I listen to you guys every morning as much as I can. I love it when you you break out that orange Tua jersey. That's my favorite. Just uh, just letting you know that. It's my personal favorite. And uh, that I, I love watching you guys in the morning, man. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Blake. Appreciate it. All right, that is Drew DeArmond from 97.7. The zone. I do have a little bit of a technical difficulty here with my camera. So I'm fixing that. There we go. There we go. Okay. Look, I saw this inside the, the chat right now. Steven Miller says that TJ Finley's starting. <laughs> Ed saying that he's got to talk to Steve Ensminger is pissing me off. You're the head freaking coach. You should know. Everybody better share this because this is about to be a rant. Ed Orsron, do not go on a press conference and your coach's show and say, I got to talk to Steve. Hell no. That comes down to you, dog. That comes down to you. You are the head coach. You make that decision. You want to talk about pissing me off? If that comment is correct, and I believe everything that Stephen Miller tells me, Oh, I got to talk to Steve Ensminger about who's starting on Saturday? Dog, that's not... What? Nothing pisses me off more than reading that comment. Nothing. Oh, I got to talk to Steve and see what he wants to do at quarterback. Big Daddy. Last time I checked, a couple seasons ago, Nick Saban made a move with a guy by the name of Tua, talking about Tua, and a guy by the name of Tua Tagovailoa and bringing him off the bench at halftime and a cover two zone talking about Devontae Smith hitting Devontae Smith in the end zone to win a national title. That's not up to Steve Ensminger. Y'all want to know why you're getting your asses beat? That's why you're getting your ass beat.
I am stunned. Stunned. You're three and four. You want to know why you're three and four? Because of that. They can get mad at me all they want, but I'm, I've had it. I have had it. Chris says, Ed should already know it's his call. Yeah, he should know. You're damn right he should know. How do you go out there and say, I got to talk to Steve about who my starting quarterback is? Don't tell anybody. You don't know. You, I mean, at some point, there goes my damn camera again. But how in the hell, guys, did they not know? And if you don't know, don't say anything. How does that happen? Y'all want to know what's going on behind the scenes? Listen to that comment. For good Lord's sake. Now the stupid camera's going out, probably because I'm getting so mad banging on stuff that it starts wobbling in it, and the camera goes out. Of course it goes out. You know what? Screw it. This is the last thing we're going to say about it. I was going to go around the SEC, but now that our camera's out, let's just do this. Everybody that is picked to win on Saturday and the SEC is going to win. Give me Missouri. Give me A&M. Give me Florida. Give me Georgia. Give me Bama. Give me Kentucky. Give me Florida. But I'm not going to sit here and act like that this isn't a big deal with Ed Orgeron coming out and saying he's got to talk to Steve. That's, this is not going to get any headlines whatsoever. Guys, I'm still trying to fix my camera. Give me a second. But it's not going to fix anything. Ryan Thibodeau says, calm down, Blake Rafino. Ryan, calm down for what? You mean to tell me that your head coach ran out on a show and said that he's got to talk to his coordinator about who his starting quarterback is? Y'all want me to calm down? Why, why should I calm down that a coach at LSU is going to have his first losing season in 20 years at LSU and we're calming down because he ran out there and said, well, you know what? I have no idea who my starting quarterback is going to be. Marvin asked, what happened? What did I miss? You missed it. Ed Orgeron truckled out there and said that he got to talk to his uh, offensive coordinator about who he thinks needs to be the starting quarterback when he should know because it's him, his team at the end of the damn day. Watch your blood pressure, Blake. Oh, getting paid the big bucks. Well, if he's getting paid the big bucks, he shouldn't run out there and say that. All right. Still having the technical difficulties. Okay, well, guys, since we are having it, we will we will call the show tonight. Y'all have a good night. Uh, Zach Pearson, the former LSU pitcher, will be on with us tomorrow. Let's see. Chris said, O said he will have to ask E, the starting court. Oh, my God. I really wish y'all could see my face right now. I really wish you could see my face right now. 
You mean he's got to ask Steve Insminger who the who the oh my god. You don't ask Rudy Pooh. You don't need to ask shit. It's AYS. Y'all have a good night. But it's full of shit. That's that that that's completely full of shit. Ryan says, but we need to see your ugly mug. <laughs> John Carter says, who do you think they should start? I don't know. I haven't been at practice this week. But if you don't know and you got to ask your offensive coordinator, that's like going out and asking my mommy, mommy, can I go have a sleepover? Oh, poor mommy. Can I, you know, can I have a sleepover? You got to ask mommy. All right. Guys, we'll see you tomorrow. Zach Pearson will be our guest. Y'all have a good night. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.